That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap dirty game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Cupful Stat Attack podcast. I'm your host, Mark Callanan. And after a week that saw the return of Sidney Crosby, back-to-back hat-tricks for Alex Ovechkin and a couple of shutouts for Elvis Merz-Lickens, I will be dissecting the goings-on around the Cupful in week 15 and announcing the first five teams to have guaranteed themselves a spot in the 2020 Cupful playoffs. For this week's interview, we'll have our first ever European guest. That's Patrick Anderson, and it's coming up shortly. We'll have all the usual segments and a deep dive into the concept of expected wins and wins above expectation in fantasy hockey. But first, let's get to this week's interview. I spoke on Sunday evening with Patrick Anderson, a Swedish fantasy hockey player and podcast host. Patrick is in his first full cupful season as general manager of the Knife Town Toddlers in Simon in Tier 5. Patrick spoke to me about the benefits and drawbacks of being a fantasy NHL manager in Europe and about how important it is to be active and attentive early in the season. This week's guest on the Cupful Stat Attack podcast is Patrick Anderson, a fellow European coming all the way from Sweden. Um, Patrick, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have somebody on who is in a, a fairly similar time zone to me, so I don't have to you know, interrupt your day too badly, I hope. No, no, it's good. Yeah, it's just one hour between us. So this is the European version, I guess, of Stat Attack. Yeah, the first ever European guest. So yeah. it's all been Canadians and Americans so far. So um, I will ask you maybe a couple of questions later on just about how you find um, being an NHL fan and being a fantasy hockey player um, on the other on another continent, I guess. Um, and, and if you find that that maybe has benefits or if it has drawbacks. But I suppose, first of all, I'll introduce your team. So you are the general manager of Knife Town Toddlers in uh, Simon, which is in Tier 5 of the Cacupful. Is this your first season in the Cacupful? It's my first full season. I took over a team in the bottom of the standings when we like two or three weeks left of the regular season last year. So I would say this is my first true year. But it was a good good thing for me to get to know how to use head to head. I haven't done that before last year. So, but this is my first real year. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into your team uh, in a little bit, but maybe if you want to tell us first, um, we obviously know you're from Sweden. What part of Sweden are you from? Well, I live in a town called Knivsta, which is uh, like an hour from the capital, Stockholm. And uh, if you translate uh, the name Knivsta to English, it's actually Knife Town. And that's why my team is called Knife Town. Okay, I was wondering where the uh, where the knife town came from. Yeah. Um, do you have an NHL team that you follow, or do you have an SHL or Allsvenskan team that you follow? I have an SHL team, which is Färjestad uh, from Karlstad. It's like three and a half hour drive from here. But uh, I don't really have a favorite NHL team. When I was a bit younger, I always. Uh, and choose Blackhawks when I played like NHL 94 because they had the highest overall numbers but it's not my favorite thing team or anything like that often I get a team in every playoff that I root for this last one it was Sharks because I really want Big Joe to get his well-deserved Stanley Cup but uh, my favorite yeah. team is Färjestad from Sweden great okay um, and do you have a favorite player is Joe Thornton your favorite player or do you have uh, maybe a Swedish player who you prefer 
Ah, for now, I would say Nathan McKinnon. He's he's the most uh, fun guy to watch. Conor McDavid is obviously the best player in the world, but if it's just the eye test, McKinnon has another layer to his game, which is very appealing to me. He looks so majestic when he drives the play up the ice, and it seems almost impossible to stop him. Absolutely, and he's uh, he's an extremely valuable fantasy player this season. Um, oh, he's yeah. right up there. He's right up there with the likes of McDavid and Dreisaitl and Pasternak at the top of the standings. Oh yeah. Um, can you tell me, maybe Patrick, if you have one interesting fact about yourself? Well, uh, I also record a podcast in Swedish together with two other friends, which is called uh, Veckans NHL. If you translate it, it's like uh, NHL of the week. We talk we talk about uh, NHL in general and uh, also fantasy hockey in at least one part of the podcast every week. Okay, and that's that's going very well. You're up to is it eighty something episodes now? You're well into your your eighties. Uh, yeah, a bit over eighty. That's right. Yeah. And, it's, um, and also my Swedish uh, team, Färjestad, I was uh, rewarded fan of the year in back in 2007 because, yeah, I put all my spare time going to to watch them every game home and away for many years when I was younger. So that's also a kind of fun fact. That's pretty incredible when you consider a home game is, what, three and a half hours away from where you are? Was it, was it that distance at the time? Yeah, that distance. Yeah. Wow. So that's a lot of miles on the clock traveling to support one team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Many miles. Yeah. This is also a quite big, big country, Sweden. So uh, some of the away games can be like very far. Yeah. So uh, my own uh, Irish team, the Belfast Giants, played against uh, Lulea this season in the Champions Hockey League. Yeah, that's um, way up north. Yeah, right up the north. I was considering going, but um, the amount of travel involved to get there was was a bit of a, a bit off putting for me. So we went to see them in the Czech Republic instead. Oh, cool, cool. The uh, the Champions Hockey League is a really good way for people to see um, teams from the different leagues in Europe. So we, uh, the Belfast Giants got to play a Czech team, a Swedish team, and a German team. So it's really good to to get to know their fans and to understand their leagues a little bit better. I think it's a very, very good way to spread the the sports in Europe. Yeah, so you have the KHL, which has um, the Russian teams and then a couple of teams from outside of Russia. But it's good that the rest of the teams from around Europe are being given a chance to compete against each other. I think it's a really fun fun competition. And the Swedes tend to dominate it. Um, I know Frölunda are into the final again this year. Yeah, some of the Swedish teams don't really take this tournament seriously because... You know, the fans just want them to, to put all effort in for the SHL. But uh, Frölunda is one of the teams that always uh, make a good good way to push in, in this tournament. Also Lulio, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah, they've, they've both won it. I think they've won most of the tournament so far. Um, Patrick, can you tell me how you find that being in Sweden helps or hinders your, your fantasy NHL ability? Do you think it's an advantage or a disadvantage or maybe both? I guess it's both, but uh, since this is what I had to deal with playing fantasy, I haven't thought about it that much. But uh, for an example, if the information regarding what goalie a team is going to start is close to the game, it's uh, it's in the middle of the night over here, so it's not sure that you're awake. But on the other side, uh, if you want to pick up a player from free agency or make a fab bid or something like that, that the deadline is nine in the morning here. And it's better than having it like three, three in the middle of the night as the East Coast players have over there. So 
I would say it's both way. Have you thought about anything else? Yeah, I, I, but I pretty much agree with those two. They'd be the two main ones for me. So goaltender starts, it can be difficult when teams such as, um, you know, a team on the West Coast like Anaheim, um, yeah. they tend to they tend to leave those decisions or the announcements until quite late on um, and then you also have uh, you know a player who's maybe day to day or possibly coming back from injury and they're a game time decision but as you said the game time can be 12 uh, 1 a.m and in Sweden probably even later maybe 4 a.m some of the the east coast game or the sorry the west coast game start yeah. um so but yeah then the flip side of that is that you have the following morning you can kind of what I do, um, I get up and I, I check the results from the previous night and, you know, I have uh, I have my cup of coffee and I sit there and I ponder who I'm going to put in my free agent bids for. Um, so it, it does have its ups and its downs. I guess it does balance out. The biggest thing for me is obviously not getting to watch a lot of the games. Um, so I, I don't have the... Uh, I'm, I'm purely relying on the, the numbers rather than, you know, the eye test or getting to watch a whole lot of games. I would prefer to watch a lot more games. As I speak, I'm watching the... Pittsburgh Penguins just scored a goal against Boston, so it's great to have the um, it's great to have the early games at the weekends. I get to watch maybe one or two games on a Saturday or a Sunday if they're on in the afternoon. But I think it does balance out. I, I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage by being in Europe. No, and also you're used to it because this is what you always had. So, but it's good. I like that the picture you paint up with the coffee in the morning. It sounds lovely to me. <laughs> it's a good way <laughs> yeah, to start the day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, looking back over the previous night's results and, you know, who played well, who played not so well. And... Yeah, exactly. But when it comes to when it comes to fantasy, the eye test is not always the most important thing as well because you get points by the numbers. So, so yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um I think it can maybe sometimes be an advantage when you're not seeing the games and you're just going purely on the data. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. Um, can you tell me then, Patrick, about your pedigree in fantasy hockey? Do you have many leagues on the go at the moment? Have you been playing for a long time? I've been playing fantasy for a long time. Uh, it started in the small world, I think it was called, uh, in the okay. early century. Um, right. but, but for now, I just have two teams and I find that perfect for me because... I put on so much love into my team, so it's good for me not to have too many of them. So two teams is good. Maybe I could have three, but not more than that. And the other league that you're in then, aside from the Cupful, is that a, a long-term ongoing league? Or is it, a, is it a keeper or a dynasty league? Or how does that work? It's a long-term going league, but it's a redraft league. We don't use keepers because, you know, I don't know about keepers. I... I Never really tried it. I had one team taking over. I had to take over one team for a friend. But, you know, the draft season is like the best part of the year for me. And I'm not sure if I would enjoy it as much if not all the players were up for grab, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think I'm quite similar in that. Um, I've never played in a keeper league. Um, it doesn't really appeal to me. Um, I do prefer a redraft league. All of my leagues that I'm in at the moment are redraft, so I do agree with you there. Yeah. Um, do you, just a, a kind of a question that I've been asking a couple of the guys who I've interviewed on this show, um, do you prefer using desktop or mobile, or do you feel that there's an advantage from using one or the other? Well, uh, mostly I use the app on my mobile device, but when I have the time to sit down with my laptop, it's actually better because 
There are more options given to me if I use the laptop, but it's so much easier to just pick up my phone. So most of the time, cell phone, but also computer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the app, obviously, you have it with you all the time. You can use it for on-the-fly decisions. But then I, I feel like I do a lot of my big heavy work on the PC, on the desktop, and then maybe use my use that to inform myself of what decisions I'm going to make and maybe make those on the mobile at a later stage. Yeah, exact. Exact the same for me. So how are you finding the Cupful season so far? You are in, as I said, the Division Simon, which is in Tier 5. You're currently standing 4th. And your record is 10-4-0, which is almost certainly going to move to 11-4-0. You have a big lead this week. Yeah. Um, that, could, that could possibly move you up to maybe third, maybe even second, depending on other results. Um, how have you found it? Well, it's been up and down, of course. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty satisfied with how the season has uh, worked out for me this far. And uh, I'm looking forward to the fantasy playoffs very much. I try to make many of my decisions uh, with the fantasy playoffs in my head because I feel quite confident that I will get there. And uh, maybe if I'm very lucky, I get uh, one of the first two spots so I have a bye week first because then I can just focus on on the semifinals and finals. So I'll see. But it's been it's been quite good, I say. I think that um, getting a bye in straight into the semifinals, as you said there, gives you an extra week. It gives you four extra moves that you can really make um, yeah. to prepare yourself for the semifinals and the finals. So hitting one of those top two spots in the Cupful is a really important deciding factor in how your season goes, I find. Yeah, me too. I agree. Um, when you mentioned there that you are you're planning for the playoffs, you're you're very much you have the playoffs in your mind at all times. Um, you've made a couple of trades in in your division um if i may just have a look at those uh, one of them was quite recent so you you actually traded the number one pick Connor mcdavid um for austin matthews also sorry Connor mcdavid and carter hart for austin matthews and Connor hellebuck was that a case of saying maybe matthews isn't far off mcdavid's value and then hellebuck is a is an improvement on hart exactly like that i really love that austin matthews is finally getting the ice time he deserves under the new regime so I traded away McDavid to get him, and in addition to that, I upgraded quite a bit on goalie part, I think. I hope, as well. Uh, you can never really tell with goalies, but hopefully no. you have, yeah. Um, then the other trade that you made earlier in the season, about a month ago, uh, Elias Patterson for Jonathan Huberdeau, so you were on the side that received Huberdeau. Yeah. Um, are you happy with that, with how it's gone? I'm happy about it. I felt Huberdeau was more of a sure thing in a lethal offensive squad in Florida. You don't know about Vancouver that much if they keep going on with wins or if they start start a big losing streak. But this far it worked out quite well for me, even if Patterson is also very good, of course. So, But I'm, I'm happy with that. And uh, Huberdeau is also a wing. So yeah, it's a good trade for me, I think. And do you have um, much national loyalty there when you're tra- when you're trading a player? Like, was it hard to trade away Patterson, um, a Swedish kid, for Huberto? Not at all. Not at all. No. No. This you, is uh, you're just purely looking at the numbers. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't care about nationality. No. Business. Business is business. Business. Business as usual. Yeah. Um, so if I can have a look at your draft, then, as I mentioned, you took Connor McDavid number one overall. You had the first pick. Did you have much of a choice to make there? Were you happy with McDavid? Did you consider maybe Kucherov or McKinnon, who you mentioned earlier? 
in the end, it was quite a simple choice for me, to be honest. I feel McDavid is the only player with 100 points warranty. He won't win Art Ross, Art Ross Trophy every year, but unless he gets injured, he will always have over 100 points. And for me, he's the only one with those attributes for me. So it was quite easy, yeah. to be honest. And the way that the Edmonton Oilers have been using him this season, him and Dreisaitl, he's been getting really high minutes. So yeah. he's being he's being used as well as he could be in fantasy terms, I would say. I think if you take another player in, if you have the first cho- first pick, you just make things more compli- complicated than they really are. But uh, I don't know about you, but I don't really like picking first in the snake draft because... It takes so long until you get your next picks and your eye bleeds <laughs> when you see all the juicy players that is picked between your first two <laughs> picks. So have you? What, what yeah. do you think about drafting first? Um, I don't think I've ever actually drafted first. Uh, not that I can remember anyway, but I do agree with what you were saying about um, having a long wait. So sometimes I'd be kind of nearer the bottom end of the snake draft. So I'd have two picks in a row and then a long gap. And you're just, as you said, watching all these players who you would have drafted being drafted yeah. elsewhere I, I do prefer being somewhere in the middle of the draft and having a consistent length of time between each pick to get yourself ready for your next pick yeah the same i agree can i have a look then uh, at your draft so you took mcdavid number one as i mentioned uh, roman yossi was number two he's been pretty incredible this season he's up mm-hmm. there with john carlson as the the best d-man this season i would say yeah um timo meyer at number three uh, 29th overall yeah <laughs> He's probably your first bad pick, was he? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was so sure he would make at least 40 goals and also have a solid spot on PP1, but uh, that didn't happen, obviously. No, uh, unfortunately for you. Um, Can I have a look then further down your draft? Uh, Well, sorry, I can get get stuck there on Joe Pavelski at six. (laughs) Um, He's another uh, another bad pick, unfortunately. Um, J- JT Miller, you drafted him at, uh, in the 15th round at 197. Did you drop him? <laughs> yeah, it's a Sorry, fatal mistake. I don't mean, I I don't mean to pick on you. <laughs> no, it's okay. I drafted him late, but then I dropped him, I think, before the first game. And he's having quite a season so far. So uh, that was just a stupid move for me. Yeah. <laughs> Shit happens, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, who are some of the, the players who you're more happy with in your draft? Well, I think uh, regarding late picks, uh, Clefboom, Valamo, Petri, Ehlers, those are pretty good picks uh, that late in the draft. But uh, yeah, I'm also very active during the season, so I can make up for mistakes during the draft, mostly. Yeah, so you've made 32 moves, so it's fair to say you're a pretty uh, active streamer. You've used just over half of your free free agent acquisition budget. Um, So you're big on streaming? Well, in this format, it's good because uh, how many games a player is having a week can certainly make a big change. So, yeah, I like streaming. It's good. Um, Would you say you have a number of streaming spots? Do you have maybe two or three or is it higher than that? Uh, It depends. You know, if I pick up like a Dominic Kubalik, I don't know if uh, he's uh, from the beginning, he's just a streamer, but you can't drop him when yeah. it's when it's hot so so you don't know how many spots you have but i think at least two and sometimes i have four because uh, i don't really like the players i have so but when you pick up a good player um, for a stream spot and then they keeps going on you you can't drop them so 
and I even noticed today that Oliver Bjorkstrand is coming back, and he he was on a pretty good run before he got injured. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he can continue that. Um, just to go back to Kubalik, obviously he's quite uh, quite in demand at the moment. I would say you got him maybe twelve days ago for just one dollar, and he has in his first game after you picked him up, he got a goal. Next game, a goal. Next game, two goals. Following game, two goals again with nine shots. Um, then he went pointless in one game and straight back uh, with two goals and an assist with three shots in last night's game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's no way you're going to be dropping him, especially with the dual eligibility, uh, left wing and right wing. You're going to exactly. hold on to him for a little while. And, you know, when you find those players, it's when you make up for the mistakes taking Timo Meyer in round three and Joe Pavelski in round six and things like that. Because you're not screwed if you, even if you do some mistakes in the draft, but it's better to draft good, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it looks like you have your your ear to the ground and you're you're keeping an eye on what's going on and you're picking up the right players, which is why you're in the position you're in, I guess. Yeah, it's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. When it comes to the draft, do you do many mock drafts? Do you have a, a specific strategy as regards maybe value over replacement or going with? Uh, I can see you went with Roman Yossi second. Did did you have a did you have a strategy to go for a D man early on? No. Not a specific strategy because, yeah, I do a lot of time prepping for the drafts. I don't even know how many hours I spend, but they are many. Except from the two teams I have myself, I also took part in two other auction drafts to help other absent GMs to draft for them. So what I do is I do my own spreadsheet and I put in all of my own predictions regarding points, both goals and assists. And then I take... uh, last year's average for hits and blocks and copy them to my spreadsheets and then i use uh, value over replacement as you, as you say like most of the others do and in a st- yeah. snake draft it's easy to know who to pick up every time because you have your your player on top of your list who is uh, the highest warp and uh, yeah if if i'm close to right in my predictions i'll make a good draft and if i'm wrong the draft stinks but that applies to all i guess so you have your own projections um, that you that you look at when you're valuing your players preseason in the draft. Um, do you use any of the other guys? Uh, I know there's quite a few different projections out there. Do you use anybody else's, or is it just your own? Well, I I take influences from many others, but uh, in our own uh, podcast we had this uh, summer special when we went through all the 31 teams, uh, one each day in August, and. Uh, we also had one fantasy part in the end of every team where we said how many goals and assists we thought they would have. And since we recorded this already in July, uh, I hadn't had the time to get that many influences from other people when we, when I yeah. did my predictions. So, But uh, I do buy the Almanac and uh, I listen to, to Elon and Brian, of course, and uh, many others as well. So... Sometimes I change my predictions uh, coming closer to the draft if if they convince me. Yeah, based on what other people are saying and maybe revising them. Do you, um, I don't know if you've done this in previous seasons, but do you then go back and look at your predictions or your projections and see where you were right or where you were wrong? And not really. I don't. I don't really like to look back to to see the mistakes I did and and so on. I just take it from where I am and uh, try to make the best of it. But of course, I do know when I hit and when I miss. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, just to go back to your team then, Patrick. Um, so I'm looking at your goaltenders. We've had a few people on with different opinions on goaltenders and different opinions on whether or not they should be used or whether or not they can be used in the cupful to, uh, to I suppose, maximise the number of points you're getting each week. Um, so you have currently four goaltenders, one of whom is on IR+. Plus. That's uh, Antti Ranta. He's back healthy now, so you probably have a decision to make there. Yeah. But do you, do you obviously find that goaltenders are valuable to you and they're, they're a key part of your strategy? Yeah, I have goaltenders in my team. I don't draft them very early, but uh, now in this uh, Connor McDavid deal, I got in Connor Hellebuck and he's... Uh, He's a value starter, so uh, he's a good goalie to have, of course. Uh, otherwise, I've just uh, streamed my goalie spots a lot during the season, and uh, now I think uh, I'm going to drop one and see if it's uh, Ranta. Uh, for now, Elvis Merzlikens is uh, not droppable in the same way Dominic no. Kabalik is not. So maybe I'll drop Ranta because I don't go with four goalies. I go with three. That's uh, That's yeah. good enough for me. Yeah, and Ranta could be gone injured again. Yeah. You know, as soon as he's back, nearly he's he's very unreliable in that respect. Um, just to go back to Elvis Mers Lickens, then you you've gotten three shutouts out of him in the last four games, three this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's no it's it's no surprise that you're winning your matchup with the likes of Kubalik and Mers Lickens, those kind of trendy players at the moment. Um, exactly. Mers Lickens, you got him on New Year's Eve for just four dollars. So yeah. was there much competition for him? Do you remember? I don't remember, to be honest. I I just remember when Corpusala went down. I just uh, got in and put my fab bids on fab bid on in right away. So I'm not sure if there were any other speculants, but uh, I got him, and I'm happy for that now. Of course, obviously. Absolutely. Um, yeah, th- that's, I suppose, where living in Sweden or living in Ireland comes in handy that you can see who got injured the night before, particularly for goaltenders. So a yeah. recent example then would be uh, Tuka Rask going down and Yaroslav Halak is obviously going to start the majority of the Bruins games. Um, so, yeah, you, you get the chance when you're in Europe to, you know, digest what has happened the night before and make your moves the next morning based yeah. on that. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's an advantage, of course, yeah. Um, this season, have you had many IR woes? We spoke there about Antti Ranta being on your IR. Um, you also have Jeff Skinner and Paul Stastny there. Um, any other major concerns over players? I've been quite lucky this season. I had injuries, like all have, but uh, none of my star players have went down for a long time. So, no, I'm. this season has been pretty good for me in the Kakapful this far, uh, knock on woods. Yeah. You have Bjorkstrand coming back from injury today as well, which is, is likely to give you some sort of a boost in the next week or two. Yeah, if he keeps up what he was doing before the injury, he was a beast. So, yeah, hopefully. We'll see. He was in great form um, Yeah, at the start of December, around the same time that Anthony Duclair was in, in great form. Yeah. Um, so the next question I have for you then is, uh, what does a cuckupful week look like for you? Are you very busy kind of towards the end of the week say today is a Sunday um, are you looking at your schedule for the next week or do you plan weeks out do you maybe plan two or three weeks out how does that work if I have the opportunity my couple weeks starts in uh, like the Saturday or Sunday the week before uh, I come up with a strategy for my stream spots for next week and I try to get the players I like not using too many dollars 
Uh, when the mm. new week starts, I'm always very active. I don't even know how many times a day I look at uh, my team in the app, but it's many. Uh, I watch <laughs> as many games as I can, but as you mentioned, it can be tough to watch many games when you're living in Europe. And uh, normally I keep my last two moves for the last two days. Ideally, I use them for streamer spots for next week. But if my matchup if you're is leading, uh, yeah. yeah, but if my matchup is uh, very close, uh, then I use them to to get streamers for the last two days just to try to win this week. But uh, ideally, I can use them for next week. But this next coming Good. week is uh, quite special. It's two weeks too. So yeah. Yeah, so it's it's nearly broken up. Well, it is broken up into two different weeks, but you have quite a few teams who don't play at all in the first three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then you have a lot of teams, like I think the likes of Washington have a really good schedule in the second half of the week after the All-Star break where they have four off-day games. So, yeah, next week is a unique one. It's, uh, it's a different challenge to most weeks, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I think... Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's nice to have something a little bit different. It's not nice to have a break from fantasy hockey. I, I really don't enjoy the Christmas with the two or three days of no games and then the all-star break with, I think it's at least four days with no games. Um, yeah, me neither. It's the worst days. Yeah, and then obviously when the season ends and you're looking at three or four months without any fantasy hockey, it's uh, it's a grim time of year, but at least it's summertime <laughs> and we've got sunshine and in this part of the world anyway, the the days are longer. Yeah. It's true, but it's a hard time. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, can I just ask you then, Patrick, if you could give one piece of advice to uh, maybe a new Kukupful player in the same situation as yourself maybe next season, um, yeah. if it was their first season of fantasy hockey, what sort of advice would you give that person or what would you tell them? Yeah, first of all, my best, is, my best advice is to join the league because this league is the toughest and the best in the world. And it's just great having uh, other GMs around you that makes you better because you have to get better. And uh, when you're in, the most important things are to prepare well for your draft and be very active when the season starts because it's in the first month of a new season you have the chance to pick up the surprising success players of the year like uh, Brian Rust or... Um, David Perron this year and uh, these kind of free yeah. agency pickups are the true difference makers for your team if you're going to have success or, or not. Absolutely, completely agree with you there. The first month of the season really shapes um, how you're going to do and obviously the draft as well but um, it is important to get those players in early and to keep them. Yeah. My final question for you then, um, Patrick, is just if you have maybe an all-time favorite fantasy hockey player, not necessarily you know somebody who's getting high points every week, but maybe somebody who got you out of a tight spot or. Well, if you go all-time favorite, you I, you have to go Ovechkin because he's the best fantasy player yeah. in the world, and you, you know you know when you have a guy like Ovechkin in the league for almost two decades, you have to say he's the favorite player because. He's the sure thing, and he never gets injured either. So, yeah, he's just worth his weight in gold. So uh, it's a quite boring answer, I guess, but uh, it's true. You can't choose another player because he's he's the best goal scorer. Yeah, so there's a number of things, I guess, about Ovechkin that make him so special. First of all is that he's left wing, which is traditionally quite a... Um, quite a shallow um, position in terms yeah. of uh, uh, strong players then obviously if you're in a categories league he's he's quite valuable for obviously for shots he's way above everybody else in shots yeah. but then he gets hits. he gets hits as well yeah. and uh, and back to back hat tricks will say that he's uh, he's a pretty good <laughs> pretty good goal scorer as well yeah yeah he's just uh, unique 
he's uh, one of a kind. So yeah, he's the best one. And hopefully he'll keep going for quite a while. Yeah, you're looking for that Gretzky record, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. In the next maybe four seasons, five seasons, he he could get there. If he keeps scoring at the rate he's scoring, which there's no reason to doubt that he won't. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be an interesting few years. How many players do you think will get over 50 goals this season? Um, Pasternak is looking yeah. pretty likely. Um, Matthews? Uh, Matthews possibly, yeah. Uh, Ovechkin? Yeah, I think... Ovi, I'm well. If he keeps up the, the rate that he's scoring lately, he he certainly will. But um, I think he'll be close. I think he'll be in the forties, maybe the high forties. Um, yeah. and then in terms of the one hundred point club, I think there's any number of players who are who are capable of doing that at this stage of the season. Um, particularly when you look at the adjusted pace um, for players who've maybe missed a few games, the, even the likes of Brian Rust and Mika Zabanajad, guys like that, who are just. Uh, scoring yeah, at a rate, at a rate that they've that never you, done before. And that you mentioned Brian Rust in 100 points club. It's just like insane. This is, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, did anyone draft him? Uh, in the couple? I don't believe so. No, he was injured at the start of the season anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's it's so unbelievable. You just keep expecting it to drop off, um, but it hasn't. And it doesn't look like it <laughs> will either. No, it's and crazy. obviously with. With Crosby being back now, that power play position is that little bit more valuable um, on the Penguins. And yeah. you've got Malkin and Crosby, two-headed beast. Um, the Penguins are looking really good, and I'm not saying that just as a uh, as a biased supporter, but um, I've said it, it. They were doing so well while they had players out injured that once they get everyone back healthy, um, they'll be a real force to contend with. Um, unfortunately, it looks like Gensel probably won't get back, but I still think they they're a real contender for the cup this year. Yeah, they are for sure. But how come you started to follow the Penguins? It's not, you're an Irish lad. Maybe you should have chosen Boston if you just look yeah, at well, today's game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, Boston would be my number two team. I've, uh, I kind of I didn't switch allegiances, but I got to uh, I got to see Boston play in Belfast. They're the only NHL team to ever play in Ireland. So um, yeah, I have a very soft spot for Boston. I've been over to a couple of games in uh, in TD Garden. Um, as regards why I support the Penguins, um, I kind of fell out of love with hockey a little bit at the start of the century and then the lockout happened and I said, right, I'm going to get back into this after the lockout and the Penguins had won the Sydney Crosby sweepstakes and I guess that's where I started. I just was really keen to, to get back into it afresh with a new player who's looking like he's going to be a great player and I have not regretted it one bit. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear how how come you love hockey so much being from Ireland, like this uh, soccer uh, dynasty. Mm. (laughs) But uh, maybe I'll just invite you to my own podcast one day so I can ask you more questions about being a hockey fan in Ireland. Absolutely, yeah. I'd be happy to come on. Yeah, perfect. We got a deal. Great stuff. (laughs) Thanks very much for coming on today, Patrick, and for uh, taking an hour out of your time on a on a Sunday evening. Um I know you record your own podcast later, so it's it's quite a slog for you this evening, but um really appreciate you coming on and it was really nice to chat to you and got some great insights into your fantasy hockey strategies and, and thoughts. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope my uh, Swedish accent don't uh, mess up too much for the listeners, but I, I did my best. So thank you for having no, me. No 
I know there are a few Swedes in the league, so um, I'm sure they'll be delighted to hear a fellow countryman um, speaking. And I really think that uh, as a country, Sweden have given a lot to ice hockey, so it's really nice to chat to, to somebody from Sweden. Oh, thank you. Well, um, take care. You too. All the best. Yeah, thanks again to Patrick for coming on. I know it's not easy to get these questions fired at you, and particularly when it's not your first language, but I thought Patrick did very well. He had great level of English, and I really enjoyed chatting to him. Since that interview, uh, Patrick did go on to win his matchup in game week 15, moving him up to second position in Simon in tier 5. So for somebody in their first season in the Cupful, he's doing very, very well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him moving up the rankings in the years to come. Okay, at this stage I want to move on and take a look at the team of the week for last week where I look at the highest scoring players in the Kukupful format over the past seven days. And starting with the goaltender, it's Elvis Merzlikens, aforementioned at the start of the show. For the Columbus Blue Jackets, he had three games last week and averaged just under 15 Kukupful points per game. He had three wins, only two goals against and two shutouts with 107 saves for 43.45 fantasy points. The top two defensemen were Connor Murphy of Chicago and Chris Letang of Pittsburgh. Murphy had no goals, three assists, nine shots, 11 hits and 13 blocks, so some great peripherals from him, for a total of 22.75 fantasy points. And Chris Letang had just half a fantasy point less than that. In four games, he had 22.25 points, uh, similar to Murphy with no goals and three assists, but he had 15 shots, seven hits and eight blocks. And an honourable mention to Ryan Pulock of the New York Islanders, who had that five-game week. He also had 22.25 points, but he got it with one extra game played, so Latang gets the nod ahead of him. Up to the forwards then, and it's no great surprise that Alexander Ovechkin gets in at left wing. He had eight goals on 12 shots with five hits for 43.25 fantasy points in just three games last week. An incredible performance by him. At centre then, it's somebody who hasn't been in the team yet this season, who's having a bit of a resurgence, is Jonathan Taves. In four games last week, Taves had three goals, six assists, so nine points, six shots on goal, nine hits, one block, for a total of 37.25 fantasy points. And then his teammate and line mate, Dominic Kubalik, right wing and left wing for the Chicago Blackhawks, 33.75 fantasy points in four games, with five goals, one assist, 16 shots on goal, and a hit, he rounds out the top line for this week's Team of the Week. Now at this stage of the show, I just want to give a quick shout out to the five teams who have already qualified for this season's playoffs. They are Dude Where's Makar in Sodertalja. In Anton in Tier 5, we have Microsoft Excel. Then we have the Sundeer Sharks in William. In Jakob F, we have Walk with Elias. And then in Linus, we have Swedish Fish. All of those teams have a record of... 14-1-0 or 13-2-0 and have all managed to get in with five games to spare which is a wonderful achievement and they can start planning then for the playoffs. Now I'd like to bring your attention to the matchup of the week last week that came in Binghamton between Joel's team and Aaron's awesome team and the final result there was 230.9 to 230.85 so just 0.05 in the difference with Joel's team coming out the winners they now have a record of 8-7-0 against Aaron's awesome team's record of 3-12-0, so two teams with very differing fortunes so far this season. That matchup went right down to the wire and an assist from Pierre-Luc Dubois late on in the game between Columbus and the New York Rangers meant that they came out victorious by the narrowest of margins, just 0.05 points. Doesn't get any closer than that, folks. Moving on then to last week's Performer of the Week, and I found it really difficult to give this to just one team. There were two teams who caught my eye, both of them managed to break the 300 point barrier they were the only two teams to have done so last week one of them is in Melker and that's McThunder Sticks with a total of 312.65 points 
And the other team then are the Degenerates in Linus on 313.55 points. So as you can see, not much of a gap between the two totals. And I feel it would be unfair to pick one over the other. So I'm going to give a joint award for the Performer of the Week to Mac Thundersticks and the Degenerates. And that leads me on then to quickly just run through the overall Cupful Top 5 point standings. In number 5, it's Ben Jesseret, LE, in Ottawa. That's Lewis Ezekiel's team. At number 4, it's Epic Neil Time from Binghamton and Tom Crowhurst. At number 3, it's the aforementioned uh, joint team of the week, the Degenerates and Linus. At number 2, it's Tuca and Bertie and Ben Burnett. And then at number 1, it's Microsoft Excel from Anton. So congratulations to all those teams. It's great to see both Ben and Lewis from the Short Shifts podcast in the top 5 as we stand. And it's great to see so many of the guests from this show doing so well in the top 50 or so. We have Matthew Gosselin. Uh, Ryan McLaughlin, Patrick Anderson from today's show, David Prestige, Colin Plump, Randy Marsh, Tom Crowhurst. So great work, guys. Keep it going. Keep up the good work. And now to finish out this week's show, it's time for this week's Stat Attack Deep Dive. For this week's Deep Dive, I'm looking at the concept of expected wins. And in recent years across various different sports, the idea of expected goals has shot to prominence, particularly in the analytics communities. Put very simply, expected goals is an advanced stat that nicely complements the likes of Fenwick and Corsi in ice hockey. It is based on models built up with logistic regression to predict goal probability. And in essence, the key concept of this model is to evaluate the probability of a shot on goal resulting in a goal. Now, not all shot attempts are equal and therefore a speculative long-range drive has a far smaller probability of resulting in a goal than, say, a net front rebound. If you take this model to a much wider scale, then you'll use it to ascertain which teams are stronger in terms of the number of goals they're expected to have scored or allowed, and subsequently to determine which teams have been lucky or unlucky in their production over the course of a game, a week, a month, or even an entire season. That's a very high-level introduction to the idea of expected goals. So what of expected wins, then, in a fantasy hockey context? Well, let me explain my thinking here. So if you imagine a 14-team league, such as the Cupful, while it could be presumed that over the course of a 20-game regular season, the best team will always rise to the top and the worst team will slump towards the bottom, it isn't always the case. And in fact, it quite often isn't the case. In theory, a team could be the second best team in the league each of the 20 weeks of the season and still finish with a record of 0-20 and if they were unlucky enough to face the best team each week. Now that's unlikely, yes, but it's not impossible. The look of the schedule has a lot to account for here. So if you can imagine in the Cupful format if each game week is a mini-season, the top scoring team each week will be guaranteed to beat any of the other 13 teams in the division. That therefore gives them a 100% chance of a win regardless of who the schedule has pitted them against. The team with the second best points total in that game week are not 100% certain of a win, but they will beat 12 of the other teams in that league, giving them just a small chance of a defeat, should they happen to face the only team with a better total than them. If you divide 12 by 13, you can see that this team has a 92.3% chance of winning their matchup that week. And then, over the course of a season, if you add these figures up each week, you'll start to calculate that team's expected wins or expected win percentage value. Comparing this to their actual win value, particularly towards the middle or end of a season, will give you a feel for how lucky or unlucky a team has been in their schedule. One example that sticks out quite clearly in the Cupful is in Tier 1 Sweden, where the team Filthy Animal are currently bottom with just 3 wins from their 15 matchups, which is a win percentage of just 02 Looking at their expected win percentage, however, will show you that they've been extremely unlucky as their expected win percentage is 0.44, or 6.6 wins at this stage of the season. If you take a step even further back, 
and look at their expected win percentage against the entire cupful, they're actually an above 500 team with an expected win percentage of 0.518. Now the best application of this, in my opinion, is to understand whether you've been unlucky and whether it's been largely beyond your control and maybe to perhaps reassure you that your approach isn't flawed but that you haven't been getting the rub of the green. But also for teams who have been overachieving, you need to take stock of the fact that you should not take your league position for granted and continue to work hard to earn your position. And you can see your expected win percentage in the Cupful against both your division and the entire Cupful in the newly updated stat attack file which I will link to in the comments for this show and please let me know what you think. So that's all for this week's show. Thanks again to Patrick Anderson for coming on to chat with me. Don't forget, it's an elongated double week for game week 16. Enjoy the all-star break if such a thing is possible with a four-day break from fantasy hockey. And I'll catch up with you again in early February as we work our way towards the 2020 fantasy playoffs. Ciao!